Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi there, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be starting the book of Joshua. This will be Joshua chapter 1. Now, before we get into Joshua, there are a few things I need to read to um, kind of give a background and explanation of the book of Joshua. First of all, one of the early themes of the book of Joshua is that of strictly following the Lord's instructions. When, When the armies of Israel were obedient, they were successful. When they were not, they failed. The consequences of obedience helped the Israelites realize that it was the Lord's help that gave them the victory. And that was out of the student manual. The book of Joshua is one of the most important writings in the Old Testament and should never be separated from the Pentateuch, of which it is at once both the continuation and completion. Between this book and the five books of Moses, there is the same analogy as between the four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. The Pentateuch contains a history of the acts of the, Ju- of the great Jewish legislator and the laws on which the Jewish church should be established. The book of Joshua gives an account of the establishment of that church in the land of Canaan according to the oft-repeated promises and declarations of God. The Gospels give an account of the transaction of Jesus Christ, the great Christian legislator, and of those laws on which his church should be established and by which it should be governed. The Acts of the Apostles gives an account of the actual establishment of that church according to the predictions and promises of of its great founder. Thus, then, the Pentateuch bears as pointed a relation to the Gospels as the book of Joshua does to the Acts of the Apostles. That was by uh, Clark in the Bible Commentary. Clark called the Old Testament the Jewish church, meaning the organization founded by Jehovah among the early Israelites, but Latter-day Saints know that Jehovah was the premortal Christ. This fact explains the remarkable parallels. Both churches were the church of Jesus Christ, given in different circumstances and with different priesthood emphasis. But in both cases, baptisms were performed, and the principles of righteous living and faith in God were clearly taught. These parallels suggest that the book of Joshua may continue the typology or symbolism of Christ, just as did the law of Moses. Indeed, the Latter-day Saints are taught that Moses was in the similitude of the only begotten. Just as Moses, that was by Bruce R. McConkie. Just as Moses, in his role as a prophet, lawgiver, mediator, and deliverer, was a type of Jesus Christ, so Joshua, who led Israel into the promised land, was also a type of Jesus, who leads all the faithful into the ultimate land of promise, the celestial kingdom. Joshua, the son of Nun, of the tribe of Ephraim, was called was first called Oshea, or Hoshea, which signifies saved, a savior, or salvation. But afterwards, Moses, guided, as doubt by, uh, guided no doubt by a prophetic spirit, changed his name into Yahashua, or Joshua which signifies he shall save, or the salvation of Jehovah, referring no doubt to his being God's instrument in saving the people from the hands of their enemies and leading them from victory to victory over the different Canaanitish nations until, until to put them in possession of the promised land. By the Septuagint, he is called Jesus Nau, 
or Jesus, son of Naveh, and in the New Testament, he is expressly called Jesus. In other words, in the original Hebrew, both Joshua and Jesus were the same name. There are further analogies between organization, organizations of the Old and New Covenants. On this very ground of analogy, Christ obviously founded the Christian church, hence he had his twelve disciples, from whom the Christian church was so was to spring, as the Jewish church, or twelve tribes, sprang from the twelve sons of Jacob. He, and, he had his seventy, or seventy-two disciples, in reference to the seventy-two elders, six chosen out of each of the twelve tribes, who were united with Moses and Aaron in the, in the administration of justice, etc., among the people. Christ united in his person his characters, or the characters both of Moses and Aaron, or legislator and high priest, Hence he ever considers himself and is considered by his apostles and followers the same in the Christian church that Moses and Aaron were in the Jewish. As a rite of initiation into, the, into his church, he instituted baptism in the place of circumcision, both being types of the purification of the heart and holiness of life, and as a rite of establishment and confirmation, the Holy Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, in place of the Paschal Lamb, both being intended to, commu- to commemorate the atonement made to God for the sins of the people. The analogies are so abundant and indeed universal that time would fail to enumerate them. On this very principle, it would be a matter of high, high utility to read these Old Testament and the New Testament books together as they reflect a strong and mutual light of each other on each other, bear the most decided testimony to the words and truth of prophecy, and show the ample fulfillment of all the ancient and gracious designs of God. And again, that was, out of the, that was by Clark in the Bible commentary, and it was also um, written in the, old, in the Institute Manual. <clears throat> okay, verse 1. Now the, I, now the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Remember that uh, these uh, translations here are not quite correct, that uh, Moses did not die, but that he was translated. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, and that that have I give that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast or boundary or border. Although the Israelites who went into the promised land and Josh, with Joshua were generally faithful and obedient as a nation, Israel soon returned to their old ways and lost the blessings promised to them of winning the whole land. Not until the time of David and Solomon, about 200 years later, did Israel control the land given in the original covenant, and then only for a short while, they, for they soon lost the outermost parts of it again. That was out of the student manual. Verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses. So will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to that, to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good, good success. 
Have not I commanded thee, be strong and have a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest? Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, or the heads of the families and the tribes, saying, Pass through the most, or the camp encampment, and command the people, saying, I'm sorry, that was passed through the host, Prepare you victuals, or bread, or food provisions, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. In other words, prepare to enter the promised land. And, the Reub- and to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you the rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, <clears throat> and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of, of Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them, until the Lord have given you given your brethren rest, as he, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and, and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan uh, toward the sunrising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us will we do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses." In order to magnify our callings in the priesthood, three things at least are necessary. One is that we have a motivating desire to do so. Another is that we search and ponder the words of eternal life. And a third is that we pray over and over again. The scriptures teach that men receive the from the Lord according to their desires. That was by Mary and G. Romney. Verse 18, Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death only, be strong, and of a good courage. A wide, rich plain at the foot of the mountain of Moab, carpeted with wild flowers springing in luxuriant beauty, watered by many rivulets and rills, here and there covered by acacia trees, where birds of brightest plumage carol, and beyond to the south by the banks of streams, where scented oleanders rise to a height of twenty-five feet, their flower-laden boughs bending like those of the willow, such as Abel Shatim, the meadow of acacias. Beyond it are the fords of Jordan and the western heights. In the distance, southwards, the hills of Judea, on which the purple light rests. Climate and vegetation are distance. Climate and vegetation are tropical on the eastern and on the eastern even more than on the western banks of the Jordan. Many memories hallow the place somewhere. Here must Elijah have smitten the waters of Jordan that they parted, ere the fiery chariot wrapped him from the companionship of Elisha. In this district also was the scene of John's baptism, where the Savior humbled himself to fulfill all righteousness. And on this meadow of acacias did an early summer shed its softness when, about the month of March, forty years after the Exodus, the camp of Israel kept thirty days solemn mourning for Moses. Behind them rose that mountaintop, from which that saint of God had seen his last of Israel and of the goodly land, which they were so soon to possess. Before them lay the land of promise, which they were presently to enter. Such a leader as Moses had been would Israel never more see, nor yet one with whom God had so spoken mouth to mouth as a man with his friend. A feeling of loneliness and awe must have crept over the people and over their new leader Joshua like that which Elisha felt when alone he turned him back with the mantle of Elijah that came to him from heaven to test whether now also the waters would divide at the bidding of the Lord God of Elijah. And the faithful covenant God was with Joshua 
as he as he waited, not unbelievingly, but expectantly, in that morning camp of Abel Shittim for a fresh message from God. Though he had been previously designated by God and set apart to the leadership, it was well he should so wait, not only for his own sake, but also that the people might afterwards not hesitate gladly to follow his leadership, who had not moved a foot without the leading of God. And in due time, the longed-for direction came, not in doubtful language, but renewing alike the commission of Joshua and the promises to Israel, far as the eye could reach, to the heights of anti-Lebanon in the extreme distance, to the shores of the great sea, to the Euphrates in the east, all all was theirs, and not a foeman should withstand them, for God would not fail nor forsake their leader. Only two things were requisite, that in his loving obedience the word and commands of God should be precious to Joshua, and that in strong faith he should be very courageous. This latter command was twice repeated, as it were, to indicate alike the inward courage of faith and the outward courage of deed. That was that this call had found a response in the hearts not only of Joshua, but also of the people, appears from the answer of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, when reminded of their obligation to share in the impending warfare of their brethren. While professing their readiness to acknowledge in all things the authority of Joshua, they also expressly made the latter conditioned on the continued direction of Jehovah and re-echoed the divine admonition to be strong and of a good courage. So much does success in all we undertake depend on the assurance of faith. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Thus directed and and encouraged, Joshua gave orders that the people should provide themselves with the necessary victuals to begin, if occasion should offer their forward march on the third day. In point of fact, however, it was at least five days before that movement could, could be made. For Joshua had deemed it, per, it prudent to adopt proper preparatory measures, although, or rather, just because he was assured of divine help and trusted in it. And that was all by Alfred Edersheim, uh, and that's the end of Joshua chapter 1. So we'll come back for the next episode. See you next time. Bye.